Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Coach Cody podcast. And today I have joining me again, team therapist, Alice Hamlin. And this week we're going to talk about anxiety specifically, but first we want to dive into some questions that you guys asked on Instagram. And uh, we'll probably do this again in the future. We didn't get a whole lot of questions, but just in case anyone was afraid that, uh, you know, that we'd share your name or et cetera, just know we will always keep it anonymous unless you tell us otherwise. If you're like, no, I really want you to share my name and who asked this question, then we will. But um, it's all going to be anonymous. So ask away. It's, you know, I understand it's scary, but this is how, this is how you, you know, this is help, right? This is how you, you branch out and get some help. Anyways. Okay. Alice, how are you doing? <laughs> Fabulous, Cody. How are you doing? Great. I am ready to just talk about anxiety and, and all the things that have haunted me my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can't wait. That's some fun. We can resurrect some memories. <laughs> oh, fun times. Yes. Um, so yeah, do you, are you ready to just dive into some questions? Sure, let's do it. Okay, so first one I will dive into is, <laughs> how do you deal with severe anxiety, feeling great one day and dying the next? <laughs> okay, um, so it's the dying the next that, that kind of throws me because I'm like, oh, we need to do maybe a safety check with this person. Um, but I feel like, so dealing with severe anxiety, usually like, I mean, okay. So we'll just start with that first part. I'm like going back and forth because the feeling great one day and then dying the next is a whole other can of worms. Um, but like, as far as like dealing with severe anxiety, it depends on what kind I feel like, um, you know, there's social anxiety, like there's generalized anxiety, which a lot of people experience. Um, there's like, you know, stuff like, I feel like out of the pandemic, a lot of people struggle with agoraphobia now, like the fear of just leaving your house and being around a lot of other people. Um, I know the other kind of anxiety that isn't really like in the DSM specifically, um, but is definitely something I hear about a lot is people who are just kind of feeling judged constantly. Um, and they just have a hard time turning those voices off in their head that are like, oh, they're watching you or like, they're going to notice that you just did this weird thing or you have something on your face or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that kind of situation, um, dealing with like severe anxiety, like of that nature, we really would need a lot more information, but, um, I feel like some of the best ways to deal with it, um, are just kind of like going back to like the very basics of life and so I saw you were drinking water Cody <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> so you know like staying hydrated um feeding yourself well getting exercise um making sure that you're not isolating from people and interacting with a few people that you do feel safe with um also just like getting I mean any sort of anything that makes you feel good. So some people, you know, they feel good when they watch like a show that is something that they've seen for a really long time and they watch it over and over again. Other people, it's like a video game. Um, it can be like something familiar basically in your life and adding that to a situation can really, really help. Um, but overall, I feel like we need a lot more information to answer that question. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. For sure. That's like someone asking me, how many calories do I need to eat? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it depends on so many factors. But like, yeah. yeah, I know. I mean, social anxiety is such a big issue for people. So I wonder if that might be it. But um, when they say feeling great one day and then dying the next, that concerns me more that maybe there's a lot of depression going on. Um mm -hmm and maybe like some mood instability. So I would, I would definitely say to like reach out to their doctor maybe and like get an evaluation done by a psychiatrist possibly so that they can make sure that they um, don't need like probably some therapy, but then also like 
some forms of medication and things like that. So yeah, yeah, that, that makes that's sense. Not, that's not a good feeling. Yeah, no, definitely not. Especially if you're like, you're afraid to like feel good because you're going to feel like maybe the next day is going to be shit. <laughs> yeah, well, and that also, I mean, that could be a trauma response too. So you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So check in with your doctor. That is probably the biggest first step for that one. Um, let's see. Next one is how to keep focused on your self-made path when finances are a trigger for, for physical fear. Oh, I didn't see this one. Okay. Physical fear, like the physical manifestation of fear, probably is that, do you think what they mean? I think when it's like being afraid of being homeless or like losing, okay. you know, the basics that you need, you know, like okay. um, shelter and that sort of thing. I would, that's what I would assume. Okay. Um, man, that's tough. Cause that's like a survival. Mm -hmm. Like thing that you need so we all need shelter and be able to eat and all those things so um I feel like the best way to do that is to ask for help um one of my favorite books actually is <laughs> I'll just launch and whatever um is by Amanda Palmer um but it's the art of asking and it's kind of about like how her she's an artist she's a singer if people don't know but she's um also married to Neil Gaiman if that matters I feel like her music kind of went to shit after she married him but whatever <laughs> um, so <laughs> yeah um but she definitely like it, it's a good book because it kind of goes over how we need to ask for help in order to survive and especially if finances are an issue for you um I think that that's one of the main things that a lot of people have a lot of pride and don't want to ask for help. But like, if you don't, <laughs> if, if there are people willing to help you and they're saying, Hey, like, I want to buy your art or I want to like, you know, um, I, I want you to perform at this thing or like whatever it is that you're doing. Like, cause I think about like artists, I feel like this is an artist situation that people go through a lot. Um, then you need to let them. I think that's like such a huge part of it. So, and then you won't yeah. ever be homeless because you're always going to have friends and people that are going to be supportive of you. And she talks a lot about that in her book. That's why I bring that up. She used mm. to be like a street performer and she just did that in order to earn cash. So yeah. Anyway, read the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. That is a good idea. Just so you always have like kind of a, you feel like you have, someone has your back. So in case, you know, the worst case scenario happens that, you know, you won't be out on the street by yourself. Um, I think just from personal experience, I feel like, like, I understand that because owning your own business or working for yourself, like you, all the responsibility is on your shoulders. And like, yeah, there is, there is always this fear in the back of your mind. That's like, everything's going to come crashing down and like, yeah, your brain just goes there. And I think in those moments, it's almost like the world knows when you're working through like a scarcity mindset mm -hmm. and it's really hard to get out of, but at the same time, um, it almost hinders your work. Like, cause you're working from anxiety and you're working from scarcity. Uh, but if you just try to like, this is it's easier said than done, but I just tried to like if I do what I know I need to do, I just try to focus like at the task at hand. And if I can check off all of my boxes that of things that I need to get done, then like, that's the biggest thing that matters. And it's like, at least <laughs> if something does happen, you did everything in your control. Right. Uh -huh. um, but chances are, if you are doing the things you're supposed to be doing, like you're staying on task with things, it's more of like just a fear, but it's not reality. Like your brain likes to go to those places a lot. Like my brain still goes to those places a lot. Um, but then just remind yourself that that scarcity mindset is very, uh, it lies to you and it's toxic. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really have advice as to like, 
how to not keep dipping into that mindset. But I think just acknowledging sometimes that that's what's talking to you instead of like, you know, reality is probably a, a good thing as well. But yours yeah. is probably better because you got that backup plan. <laughs> well, no, but that's a good that's a good point. I think like how to how not to keep dipping back into it. I mean, you can't prevent that completely, but I feel like focusing just on what's in front of you every day that helps me a lot. And, you know, I, I feel like that helps a lot of people who struggle with like anxiety or like ADHD, where like, you have to just focus on, like, I always think of like climbing a hill, like a really steep hill. And like, whenever I do that, I always look at my feet. I don't look at the top of the hill. Like I look at what's like right there in front of me. And then I'm at the top of the hill in no time. Like, so it's kind of the same for your daily life. If you think about all the stuff (laughs) that we have to deal with, like bills and where to sleep and all these different (laughs) things that are going on, then it's impossible to function that way. But if you just think about every day, what you have to do and just focus right on what's in front of you, it also helps that I can't see far away. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I don't wear my glasses a lot is like, it's a lot easier to just focus on what's in front of me because I cannot see across the room. I have no idea what's over there. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah. Like, yeah. One step at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Just don't wear glasses. Yeah, yeah, no, that's like, yeah, that's basically all you can really do. And a lot of times, like for a while, I struggled with this at night and I would just sit in my bed and start thinking of all the worst case scenarios. And the only way to like bring me back to reality is when I told myself like, hey, you're here right now in your your bed and it's cozy and it's warm and you're watching a show on Netflix. And like, that's not reality, at least not right now. So like, you're safe right now, just be here. And like, that would kind of kick the... Uh, the the negative thoughts so um yeah just trying to stay present essentially <laughs> yes because you are a present <laughs> stay you present because you are <laughs> pre- that, that should be a, a t-shirt <laughs> um okay next question uh this one i'm a little confused but no. we're gonna go for it anyways okay um, i feel bad i'm like it's, it's hard these are hard because you need more information you know yeah so it says, how does cheating affect our mental health and how can we bounce back? And I'm assuming they mean cheating like diet wise, um, but I feel like cheating is probably like it could mean like cheating on a partner or spouse or a test. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have what stories were- about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Cheating on diet. You think that's what they mean? That's what I would assume. And how to bounce back. Um, How does it affect your mental health? So affecting your mental health, I mean, essentially food is an addiction. And so if you are, if you cheated on your diet plan or whatever it is, like, and again, this is where I feel bad. I'm sorry. I don't know more specifics of this person. I'm so sorry. But, um, But yeah, like, um anyway like also yeah feel free to shoot Cody or I more questions if we don't answer exactly if you want to clarify any of these everyone like anonymous people um (laughs) and then we could help more but um yeah it's essentially like an addiction so like if someone relapses on an addiction they just start the next day exactly as they would any other day so mm-hmm. I would think that's probably what you would say too right like yep exactly I think that's well first of all I always say like that's why I like to call you know cheat meals treat meals because it's not even necessarily exactly. like cheating you know it's food all food provides is energy to survive so not like your chicken gets mad at you when you have it like chocolate it's like hey, <laughs> what about me right or like your meal plan doesn't get mad at you if you do if you eat something off meal plan or if your coach gets mad at you like uh, well that's also probably not the greatest relationship so (laughs) I mean it all kind of depends on what coaching style you prefer but um yeah so 
same advice that you said. I always tell clients, if someone binges, they go off the rails for a day, a weekend, whatever. Um, I tell them not to restrict the next day your food at all. Um, eat as if nothing happened. Eat just yeah. on plan and move forward. Because if you restrict after you know a binge session or eating off plan, then you're just going to put yourself in the same cycle over and over again. So it's like this binge restrict cycle. And that's really hard to get out of. <laughs> yeah. One thing also that I tell my clients that have, do struggle with eating disorders is that just try like eating regularly or whatever your plan is like with Cody, because I don't know what everyone's, I don't like saying diet and like that, but um, if you know, if whatever that is, like, just try eating that and trusting the plan for two weeks and your body will not morph into whatever you're afraid it's going to, like, it's going yeah. to stay the same. Um, and it's like, yeah, people are usually shocked by that because especially if you struggle with disordered eating, you think that you're either going to blow up to 600 pounds or you're going <laughs> to miss a meal and be like a withered away, like, just nothingness you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like that's just not how our bodies work so even if you binge and you eat a whole jar of peanut butter um <laughs> <laughs> like the next day if you if you're just eating normally honestly your body's just gonna shit you're gonna <laughs> like you're gonna have a peanut butter shit which is <laughs> totally had one it's very strange um sorry, I'm very comfortable with my poop everyone so if you ever want <laughs> let's have a whole episode about poop <laughs> we, should. we totally should we would love that um <laughs> Tony and I talk about poop a lot uh, <laughs> but um but yeah you're just gonna go to the bathroom because your body is still metabolizing everything and then it'll get back to normal like you're it's going to go back to homeostasis if you restrict your body's going to hold on to all the food and probably soak up and be like i have to keep all this peanut butter because <laughs> i'm gonna starve because it gets in that restrictive cycle you look like you have something to say what would you like to say oh yeah so like <laughs> in the same way that you know <clears throat> like binging one day is not going to change much. And in the same way, like, um, so like restricting for one day isn't necessarily going to change your metabolism either. It's kind of like the, like if you're consistently under eating or consistently overeating, you're going to like lose or gain weight, but eventually your metabolism or your body, it's smart. So it does adjust. It's not like strong enough to be like, uh, like starvation mode isn't as strong as we would like to think it is, right? People still starve to death. So <laughs> it, yeah. it it does want to protect you, but it's not this thing where like if you skip a snack during the day that your body's not going to go into starvation mode. Um, I always just like to emphasize that because people always think starvation mode is like way stronger and they're like, oh my God, I did not eat lunch. Now I'm going to gain a shit ton of weight. I, I don't want to eat my next meal because I'm just going to like absorb all of it. Um, but yeah, it's like the reason. So if you eat like a whole jar of peanut butter, even if your body does store that as fat, that's not even going to come across as a pound of fat on the scale or anything like that. Because uh, like a pound of fat is, gosh, I can't even remember. I always mix up. I'm pretty sure it's like 3,500 calories is uh, e equal to, no, wait, sorry. I'm mixing up my numbers. If that's wrong, I apologize, but. Um, <laughs> You're fine. I don't memorize that stuff because if I did, I, I would think too much about it. So. So, well, so anyways, even if you do eat a jar of peanut butter, chances are your weight might spike on the, on the scale the next day. But if you just hop back to eating normally, it'll go back down. That's basically what I'm trying to say in a nutshell. Um, so don't freak out. You don't need to restrict. Like Alice said, your, your body will just return to homeostasis and you just keep going on. That was a really lengthy way of saying a lot of nothing. So Alice. <laughs> no, that was good. Cause I don't know the numbers. Like I'm always just like, just have fun and eat good things. <laughs> I mean, Technically, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's kind of how we all should be uh, doing, but uh, yeah. That was good information. 
Okay, so this next one, a little bit of a different one, but we can still hit it. Oh, I don't oh, know why I said hit can it. I, can I say something real quick? Yes. If the, if the cheating was about like relationship cheating, tell us because that'd be fun to talk about. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can talk about how cheating on someone can affect your mental health. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so this next one says um, ADHD symptom exacerbation related to testosterone levels? Question mark. Um. So I will, well, okay. So I will touch on this one a little bit. I do, or I have been diagnosed with ADHD. I do take medication for it. Um, I haven't noticed that testosterone has increased my ADHD symptoms, but having your testosterone levels a little too high can affect uh, anxiety. Like you can be a little bit more anxious. So I guess what I'm wondering is, is it affecting your anxiety or is it affecting your ADHD symptoms? Um, because before I was diagnosed with ADHD, I was thinking it was anxiety, but then like when I started taking medication for it, it like helped not, like it helped me sort things out. It wasn't just this cloud of information like floating through my head. So basically it helped me organize things to feel less anxious. Um, but yeah, if your testosterone levels are a bit too high, it can affect the the anxiety aspect of things. I, I know that, but I don't know. What do you think, Alice? Do you have any uh, opinions or insights on this one? Well, and that's why I let you answer is because I'm not on testosterone. So <laughs> I feel ill-equipped to say what that would feel like or how that would affect somebody. Um, I think... Yeah, the, the only thing that I hear a lot from people who um, whose testosterone levels are off in some way is um, that they feel kind of like emotionally constipated or yeah. like or numb or they get really irritable or almost like angry, like aggro, um, depending on what their levels, what what's going if they're too low or too high. So, I mean, my main thing here is with this person, just get your levels checked and make sure that, yeah. um, especially that you're not being like, I think having too much testosterone, I don't know, you can speak to that more, but I feel like whenever I have had friends or um, clients who are like really, really agitated by life, <laughs> their, their levels are too high. <laughs> so yeah. I would get that checked. Yeah, for sure. I think personally um, like if my levels are too high, I do get that like constipation, like the emotional constipation. I mean, I think I got that. I get that just from taking testosterone, even if my levels aren't too high, but the emotional constipation leads to ADHD symptoms or anxiety symptoms because there's so much going on in my brain and I can't sort it out. So what usually helps me is writing, um, so that I can like even know what I'm upset about or like what is happening in my body. Cause sometimes I'll just feel anxiety and, and, and not even know the source of it. And you just like feel it in your body. And just like, you start, you have to start writing things down or maybe like talking to somebody or talking to your therapist. And it all starts kind of like coming out and it makes sense. And you're like, oh, okay. And then things can kind of start calming down a bit. So that's just been my personal experience. So maybe journaling <laughs> well, that's really true too because I think like if I'm I know for me I do the same thing where I won't really know exactly why I feel a certain way and then when I start talking to someone I'm like oh wait okay never mind I know exactly why I'm feeling this way I just <laughs> yeah. haven't really talked it through or played it through in my brain yeah Exactly. Or it might be things you don't want to like admit to. So you're just trying to like bury it and you're like, that's not making me anxious. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's, yeah, I definitely do that called out. So yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So that is all the questions that we got. If you guys have any other questions, we will always have uh, a Q and a on Spotify. There's a little question, question box that you can leave it. Uh, question. And um, like I said, we'll keep it anonymous. And 
unless you want us to say your name, then we will. But yeah, feel free to leave us your questions. But now we are going to move on to the topic of anxiety specifically because we talked about depression last time. So of course, we want to uh, make sure to cover anxiety. And I know that I have a lot of personal experience with this one. <laughs> so this will be fun. Uh, but yeah, Alice, do you want to, you kind of already talked about like the different types of anxiety. Um, but do you see like, what is probably the most common? Well, I think, I mean, diagnosis wise, generalized anxiety is um, very commonly diagnosed. Um, and it's just basically persistent worry about various scenarios for a period of like six months um, to be diagnosable. Um, again, I don't really like putting people in boxes that way, but um, the thing that I do want to touch on that we talked about last time a little bit is that depression and anxiety kind of hold hands <laughs> um, because when oh, a lot of people get depressed because they're so worried about things um, and they can't function because their brain is just overwhelmed with stimuli and whether that be like trauma or like relationship things that are going on or tasks like um, basic survival, you know, any of the things we've just talked about could be a cause of anxiety. So um, they really do go hand in hand. Um, when, uh, <laughs> sorry, that was my ADD kicking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as far as anxiety, do you have any tips? Um, like when anxiety first starts coming on, uh, or like what to do if you start to kind of feel yourself rolling into anxiety attacks, panic attacks, that sort of thing? Um, I think, oh, well, okay. So I dealt with this last week, um, with someone, um, so panic attacks are are very severe. That's different um, than like an anxiety attack. But um, like a panic attack, you can actually like your whole body can tense up and have. Sorry, my dog is coughing. Um, like your body can tense up. You can't breathe. You feel like you're gonna die and have a heart attack. Um, that's usually comes on when you're having really, really, really severe anxiety based on a situation that's going on. Um, in those situations, like I like, I love grounding techniques for anxiety. I think those really help people. Um, the one that I just recently used was like squeezing. I think, did I mention this before? I don't think so. Yeah, sorry. Um, like squeezing the muscle between your thumb and your index finger. If you like mm -hmm. pinch right there when you're feeling like you're gonna have a panic attack. Um, it can help ground you and bring you back. It's kind of like a trigger point and it should kind of hurt almost like a dull ache and that will help bring you back. Um, I also like like wiggling your toes and your shoes, um, like anything, any sort of like fidget object that you can hold on to. Um, animals are great. If you can hold an animal that will bring up your oxytocin levels um, and help you relax. Um, anything that's going to put your parasympathetic nervous system into like play and get you kind of to calm down. Um, breathing. <laughs> so <laughs> I have a whole thing with breathing. Um, a lot of therapists will say like, well, you just need to breathe. Um, <laughs> I, so for anxiety, I think that works great if you have like general worry, but for like a panic attack, breathing is something that someone's struggling with at that time. Like, and focusing on it can actually make you like the symptoms exasperated. So it's a lot better to focus on like grounding, like things you can see, things you can hear, smell, um, taste even. Uh, like I love laughing too. That's another one I really like is, you know, if you can like watch a funny TikTok video or something that's going to help bring you down probably easier than breathing right away. Like once you're, once 
you know, your parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system has kicked in, you're able to kind of be able to breathe, but you have to get down there first. So, um, I also just want to mention too, the other, my other thing with breathing is that if you have a lot of trauma in your history, um, especially sexual trauma, um, it can make breathing can actually make you feel more dissociated from your body and more out of control. So it can actually like make you feel more anxious. Um, I also really like the vagal nerve theory. Um, I don't know if people know about that. It's actually not scientifically proven, <laughs> which I find entertaining, but um, it, it does work. It, I think it's the grounding part of it. it um, you, can, you can hit those muscles and the vagal nerve if you do like squats. So a lot of like yoga poses um, will trigger the vagal nerve and also help kick in parasympathetic nervous system, bring you right back down to homeostasis. You're able to breathe and relax a little bit easier. Your body starts functioning, adrenaline calms down, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I think, I think I hit most, that's why I like yoga so much. I think it's really great for grounding, but also grounding in a safe environment where you don't feel so overwhelmed and like you're going to fly away out of your body because I think a lot of people who are anxious kind of feel out of control <laughs> um a lot of the time yeah what do you think Cody <laughs> <laughs> what do I think as far as like tips just and stuff you'd off a lot I don't know what I just said so yeah <laughs> <laughs> no I think that was all like really great tips it's, I mean even tips for me um especially with the panic attack stuff like I've only had a few that I have um had panic attacks before and, and you literally feel like you're dying and it's terrifying um I think the last one I had I was actually I was in a safe way <laughs> and I was checking out um and it just hit me I I like was really anxious the whole day but apparently Safeway was just <laughs> over <Yeah>. the top <laughs> and so as I was checking out I thought I was gonna like pass out it was it was oh, yeah. I the only thing that saved me, I was like, I am not passing out in the Safeway checkout line. And like, I just imagined like fucking like EMTs coming over and like trying and I'm like, just fine. I'm just like, I'm fine. I'm just anxious. Okay. Um, but yeah, the whole like trying to like find an, an anchor point, basically the, the thing that worked for me is like, it was almost like this playful thing where I was like, Hey, we're in Safeway. Look at him scanning the bread. <laughs> like it was just like little things where you just pick points of your surroundings and just like focus on those. And like, that's the only thing that prevented me from like not freaking out in, in yeah. the Safeway uh, checkout line. But um, as far as like, I have social anxiety, generalized anxiety. Basically, I'm just, you know, a nutcase. So um, <laughs> it. I think the hardest part about anxiety is that you can't avoid it to make it better. You know, like it's one of those things that you have to keep pushing yourself and keep like exposing yourself to things that you're uncomfortable with. Um, things like the gym are anxiety provoking for a lot of people, even me, like still I get anxiety every time I walk into the gym until I like scope it out and like, yeah, like it never goes away. That might sound awful, but it does get better. Like it becomes manageable, but I will always have anxiety walking into the gym or even the grocery store or wherever there's people. Uh, the gym? I feel like the gym is like, like for you, you should feel like all like, look at, cause you're like, you're all like ripped and stuff. So like, <laughs> you could be like, check me out. Like, you know, I don't know. I feel like if anything, you should feel good. So I'm curious, like, why do you get anxious in the gym? Yeah, I think there's always this like imposter syndrome. And uh -huh. especially the gym I go to, there's just like a lot of gym bros. Um, so like, I'm probably one of the smaller guys, honestly. So there's like, yeah, there, there's just always the sense there's, there's a million things that the anxious brain can create, right? Like, there's something on my face or like, do I have a hole in my shorts? And I, I didn't realize that, or, I mean, those aren't things that literally go through my head. It's mostly like, 
um, just anytime being around people, you're just ultra aware of like feeling judged or, you know, stuff like that. Um, which it all seems quite silly and you know that it's not reality, but for some reason your brain still likes to throw it at you. So, um, I guess I can understand that. I think that's like, um, (laughs) I, I don't think, yeah, that part of the gym is something that I avoid the gym, (laughs) like the, like the bro area. And that I guess is where you're at a lot. So that makes a lot of sense. Like whenever I go through that area, I make a point to look disgusting and like, like, (laughs) like scratch butt or like just be like really gross so that like (laughs) I freak people out because that's just always been I feel like if you scare those people then they can't really see how scared you are (laughs) so So this is the fun part right I think so this is probably a cool part cool way to make a distinction here or just yeah so for me social anxiety like it's always there it's terrifying but like you have this approach to where it's almost like you attack whatever is terrifying. And like, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, Uh I think, or something. (laughs) Um, And it was like, someone was so tired of being perfect. They just started like making mistakes on purpose. And it's almost like (laughs) doing that, it takes away the fear of actually making any sort of mistakes because it's like you see that nothing bad happened like you're still alive and yeah it's I don't know like I feel like that's more your approach where I'm just like terrified of everything still (laughs) uh no like and I admire well that's the funny thing is I admire like that you're terrified because I also feel like you're kind of like you are perfect at a lot of things but especially like like cooking like you do things (laughs) you're like really good at cooking I know that I am not good at cooking and I can't be perfect at it. So I fuck it up on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, ah, I just made this really crazy. Who cares? Like, <laughs> um, like the whole like nailed it thing. Like, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I think I, I started doing that though, kind of as, as a survival mechanism because my dad wouldn't let me mess up. So Um, like if anything was like off, I got in trouble. And so like, especially as an adult, like something that I love and like a lot of people I think are kind of shocked that I still feel this way because it's been a really long time since I lived with my parents now, (laughs) it's been like almost 20 years, but literally every day when I come home, I'm like, I just like, I can mess up and it's like my space and I still feel so grateful for that. Like, and I just, I don't know. And I like making messes. I think messes can be really beautiful. Um, I think that's also something though, that like growing up and doing ballet too, like it was very, like, you have to be perfect. And, um, like, (laughs) yeah, it just, it's, it's nice to just be all over the place and like um when I stopped doing ballet like I started doing like kickboxing and spin and I did a bunch of different stuff that I had never done and it was just so fun to like just be crazy like um in fact so okay leaning into that and I'm like talking about myself sorry this is my therapy session um (laughs) no but um like one thing that I do have my clients do a lot, cause I've done a lot of like art therapy. If they're struggling with anxiety is I have them finger paint and some of them even can't even like process that. Like they'll be like, Oh no, like dirty. No, like I no, that's messy. Um, so we start with something smaller, like, um, pastels or something of that nature. And then you kind of like move on from there and try and make bigger, bigger messes until you're okay with it. Um, and that you can really use that in any area of your life, but art is a really good, um, like con- kind of controlled way to do it and fun way. So even like my adult, like clients, we do stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, would you say that, yeah, like anxiety isn't necessarily something you can cure, but it's just something you learn to live with. Is that like depressing to say? <laughs> 
I don't know. I think it really depends on the person. Because I feel like everybody just, yeah, you have coping skills, but I think after a period of time, the coping skills become your way of living and you're able to recognize that you're like living a regular life and maybe the anxiety will dis dissipate. Um, I'm not entirely sure because I'm not you and I don't know. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I can remember so like years and years ago, I, someone, when I had struggled with an eating disorder, um, the, one of the therapists I went to said like, yeah, like you'll go to a restaurant and you won't even think about the calories like years from now. <laughs> and I, I remember looking at her, like she was nuts, like, and, but now I totally can do that. <laughs> it's yeah. not a big deal. And so I just think maybe it's learning to cope and moving through stages of your life. Um, I also feel like anxiety, any, any like mental illness, like I don't really believe in that, honestly. Like, I think that we're all just people and we have ways of dealing with like, like, but it's all it is, is a way of coping. It's a way you've learned to cope with something in your life. So like in, I mean, and I know you pretty well, so I could tell you <laughs> where you're probably answering. Like, <laughs> um, you know, it's a way you learn to cope, like with scenarios that you grow up with. Um, yeah. Like my whole fuck you attitude is because I wasn't allowed to do that as a kid. And so now I'm like, nah! like, um, and I feel like other people cope with that by like staying in that box or um, they cope in ways of like dissociating or, um, you know, any number of disordered type ways of living, but it's really about finding like the balance and then making sure that you are okay in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. For sure. I think, um, I think one thing that helps me too is reminding myself that like anxiety isn't bad. Like it does serve a purpose and it used to serve more of a purpose before we had, we're all like civilized and shit because <laughs> we had to like not get eaten. But um, <laughs> now it just kind of goes into overdrive for no reason. But I like just reminding myself that it's like a natural response and it's not like, it's not necessarily anxiety itself isn't dis like disordered. It's just, it becomes like disordered when you let it control your life, I guess is how exactly. I feel. So it's like, just cause I have anxiety about something doesn't mean that's bad. Like it's just there, but it's like, it almost becomes this like distant friend <laughs> or an acquaintance. Yeah. You're like, Oh, hi, you're there. What's up. Um, yeah. But then you learn how to like push through and it does, you know, like, there's a lot of things I do now that I don't even think about, whereas before I probably would never be able to do. So you like you, you do get desensitized to things. Um, but I guess that's like the beauty of exposure therapy. <laughs> yes. Yes. Which is good. Yeah. <laughs> Very think, uncomfortable, but <laughs> yeah, I think there are ways of making it more comfortable. I think it's just, you know, over time, but yeah, definitely. I don't think that anxiety in and of itself is bad. Like, you know, if somebody comes to me and they say that they're anxious, they're, you know, having a lot of anxiety or depression, like one of my first questions is like, well, are you able, like, can you feed yourself? Can you sleep? Are you getting up for work every day? Are you like, is, are you a hoarder? Like, is there, you know, is this in your life to a level where you are physically suffering in some way, or it's going to become detrimental in some way. And if it's not, then, okay, let's, do some small tweaks and see what what can be helpful but in and of itself it's a function like of survival so yeah, yeah. and you never know you could be eaten <laughs> Jeffrey Dom <does laughs> I forgot there are people out there still that get eaten so <laughs> yeah it can happen so you do need to be a little hyper aware <laughs> <laughs> be careful folks sometimes your anxiety is real <laughs> um yeah so I'm trying to think of other things concerning anxiety um what is like 
the the scientific cause of it like what's happening in your brain like what's firing that's going into overdrive <laughs> yeah it's um it's usually like um an excess of something <laughs> so usually uh like dopamine serotonin or norepinephrine can cause it like but it's it's or like adrenaline it's the fight or flight in our body so a lot of times people because of their history or trauma or you know could just be like they're predisposed genetically to anxiety um they see something as a threat that is not and so their their brain will go into overdrive um the thing is it yeah this is why oh yeah i could uh, um it's this is why it's important to like if you ever go on medication for anxiety or depression it's important to like um talk to the doctor about like you know where it might be coming from because depending on the neurotransmitter that's affected different medications will work for different people um so you because you can't see someone and know that you have to kind of like test it out um so yeah but like it's really fight or flight response that's what it is it's a perceived threat so fun times <laughs> yeah it's pretty exciting like oh i can give you an example so men with mustaches just a mustache <laughs> like freak me out like i automatically like get anxious and scared and my entire body tenses up because my dad had a mustache <laughs> that makes sense yeah so it's totally like me going into fight or flight where you know i have to remind myself okay that man just has made a poor choice um <laughs> and <laughs> it's okay that he wants to look that way. Um, you just have to survive near him, apparently, in a <laughs> public setting. <laughs> oh, man. And then I no mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be clear, too. It's just the mustache. It's weird. Just the mustache. I mean, it makes, it makes sense. I feel like most, well, I won't make any sweeping generalizations. <laughs> But I feel like there's a lot of people who have similar feelings for some reason. But mm -hmm. I think it's why it's called like a creeper stash or a molestache. You know, it's mm -hmm. a little weird. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. Um, is there any other like random tidbits about anxiety that you feel like might be good to share? Um. Well, does it help you to be friends with like kind of like people that just don't care? <laughs> yes, um, it I does. That's helpful for people. Yeah. So, I mean, that's I, like I am generally friends more so with with extroverts, I feel like, uh, because it's almost like, well, for one, they kind of adopt you because you're just like like that quiet person <laughs> and they're just like oh <laughs> like they're the only type of people that can befriend an introvert and like be patient um but uh it does help me to like see someone else do the things that I normally freak out about and then like see them go through it like oh it's like no big deal like they just went and did that and they didn't even think about that um so it is kind of like you know how they say surround yourself with people that like help you improve or yes. um that are just gonna lift you up so it's almost like that for me like if mm -hmm. i'm friends with extroverted people um it helps me kind of like see how they interact with the world and challenges me to be more social um, but also it's helpful because like in social situations if you're not feeling it the extrovert's always there to like take control and like make you feel better because you don't have to like do all the talking and freak out so yeah yeah I think that that really does help people um just to have a familiar person if they're anxious about any sort of situation or um I don't know even like in panic attack situations like familiar things can really help so mm -hmm. 
yeah yeah that's a good good one and I mean at the same time too for for people who are more extroverted and more like fuck it about things I think being around people who do have a healthy amount of anxiety can be good (laughs) um because yeah (laughs) Because I think otherwise those people can get a little out of control. You never, yeah. <laughs> um, would you say anxiety is something that's more of like a nurture versus nature, like a trauma response? Or would you say it's also partially genetic? I think it's partially, oh yeah, everything is partially genetic. I wish that were true. Um, that would be nice to be able to be like, you make your own life. Ah, like, <laughs> <Right. but laughs> you're in control of you. But like, that's <laughs> not really true completely. Um, I mean, if you've ever been around, like if you think about like your friends and then think about their parents and their mannerisms, even like things that you, like just small things you pick up from like gen- generations, even if the person wasn't raised with that person, it's really weird. Um, I have a hair in my mouth. So, um, (laughs) so yeah, I do think it's definitely partially that. And, but I will say that it can be exasperated by the nurture portion of it for sure. Like if you have a parent that is terrifying, it's going to heighten your anxiety or, you know, at the same time too, at this, on the same end of that is, um, like if you have a parent who is too lax. And it's just like, oh, it's whatever, or like they're using drugs or they're, you know, they just don't care. That's very stressful because then you're on your own to do that survival part. So yeah, I think it goes both ways. Everything is such a balance. It's like trying to find the middle always. Yeah, for sure. So I remember like my grandma had really bad anxiety, but I didn't even understand that's what it was at the time. Um, it was always just like, oh, grandma, she won't drive on the freeway or, oh, grandma, she won't leave the house. And it was just like this problem. It was like, grandma's a problem. So it was like, I didn't know that she had anxiety. I just knew that she was a problem sometimes. And so it's like, I always felt like I had to hold all this shit in, you know, like, I don't want to go to X social event. So then I'm just like, ooh, that's bad. That's shameful, you know? Um, So I feel like, you know, definitely part of it is genetic because like my grandma had it pretty bad and I'm just like man I totally got my grandma's like anxiety mm-hmm. now that I can like I can see it as an adult like looking back at everything she was anxious about I'm yeah. like god that's me um and then uh I feel like it's exacerbated exacerbated by trying to hide it um mm-hmm. and trying to like make it so people don't see it because you feel like it's bad like it's a problem and I feel for me personally when I do that, <laughs> it's just, it's a disaster. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, I think that's, that's all I can really think to cover. Um, unless there's anything else you can think of specifically. My dog is adorable. <laughs> Dogs also help with anxiety. So that's a good little, uh, like whenever I feel super anxious, I'll just like pick up my dog and then just start start petting him. And then it just helps ground you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and it releases oxytocin in your brain, which is the bonding oh. hormone. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's oh. what's released too when women have babies. Oh. And that's, yeah. I feel soiled and dirty now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I almost said something, but I probably shouldn't. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's um, that's interesting. Do some mothers not have that release, and that's why they don't bond with their children? <laughs> that's a good question. Actually, I don't know, but I'm sure that that happens because I know that, like, it's kind of it's been proven that mothers who have higher testosterone levels have a higher likelihood of having queer kids. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I know there are different things that can happen, but I don't know that one, actually. Probably don't really work. I I don't think I have any, I don't work with people with kids, really. (laughs) I work with the the kids. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then, you know, a lot of queer adults. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. That's interesting. That reminds me of this, uh, 
So I took a social psychology class when I was in college. And I think I've told you this story before. So sorry, you're going to hear it again. But for the audience out there. (laughs) um, So I was taking a social psychology class. I was taking it with my my boyfriend at the time. Um, And our professor says, like, all the females in the room who have an index finger shorter than their ring finger, raise your hand. And so I like raised my hand. And then he's like, how many of you are gay? And I like instantly like lowered my hand and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and like, I'm pretty sure all the females like lowered their hand. Um, but uh, he was saying, it's an example of how just a little bit more testosterone in the womb um, can affect it's like limb like because normally men have a basically I have man hands right that's what he's telling me (laughs) so generally men have a shorter index finger than their ring finger and he was kind of right because well you know I wasn't exactly gay but I was trans so there's something there I don't know what it is so I was basically any female has that doesn't mean you're queer or gay or trans or whatever it just means that you had a little bit more exposure to a certain androgen in the womb and I just found that like so interesting and yeah I don't know if you've heard that theory (laughs) yeah yeah well and like when I was the reason I found that all out is because when I was first coming out I was trying to figure out I was so confused and like am I am I queer? Like, what is wrong? I thought something was wrong with me. I was like, I keep trying to date men and it just isn't working. <laughs> like, um, and, but at the time I was really scared to come out because there's so much stigma and, you know, it's scary. It's still scary for yeah. people. Um, so I remember I went to Barnes and Noble and sat in the LGBTQ section (laughs) with like every book on top of me just piled there and just read for like hours on why I was gay. (laughs) 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 What is all going on, you know? Um, Yeah. Cause and for a big thing for me too, is like, I don't really know. I know a lot of people who are queer have trauma Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's, you know, trauma of like from a certain gender and so then you wonder, is it like, because is that why like I'm attracted to this person or why I feel this way? So I just didn't know. And then when I found that out, I was like, oh, okay. Like, I think this is probably more organic and just who I am. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah I think I went through the, I need to know why I'm the way I am phase as well. When I first like started coming to terms with things, I don't know why, like, I feel like now people don't generally look for that they're just kind of like I am who I am sweet yeah but before I was like I need to justify this so (laughs) I kind of drove myself a little insane for a bit but um just so everyone knows you don't need to justify it (laughs) no you don't you don't need to I think that was because too back then we didn't have a lot of access to think like there wasn't social Mm -hmm. media yet like when I was going through all of that there was nothing and so it was really really confusing because the only people that I had as role models that were queer were not like I mean it was like people that people at my high school made fun of (laughs) so I was like I don't want to be that person so what do I do and now it's great because you know kids can go online and see a thousand other people who look or act like them and Mm. it's not as scary and like oh why why am I like this you know yeah for sure definitely has been a lot of progress which is good um yeah well I think that pretty much like wraps it up (laughs) yeah we're like sorry guys this isn't even anxiety related but uh sorry for giving you anxiety (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah, speaking of anxiety, I have some and probably should get back to to my client work. So um, do you do you have any last words, Alice? I don't think so. Okay, perfect. Well, in that case, I will wrap up the episode. But remember that if you do have any questions to leave it in the little Q&A box on uh, Spotify and we will get to those and keep them anonymous or not if you do not want us to. Um, 
But yeah, that is it. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Peace out. And I will talk to you next time.